You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. My name's Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here. It's good to be with you today. If you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at John chapter 16. Just in case you were wondering, today is my 16th anniversary, 2004, first Sunday of August. I was commissioned to come to this church and preach for the month of August while you guys look for a pastor. And the rest is history. <laughs> Still looking, huh, Jim? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, Mark, is, Mark has been here 20, so he's starting his 21st. And, uh, you know, just a, just a note, Marcus has got supernatural health. I don't know if anybody knows that. Uh, for, I don't know, the 16 years that I've been here, I've been picking up Marcus, bringing him to church. Marcus has never been sick. He has never not been ready to come to church in the whole time that I've been here. I don't understand. I've been sick. Somebody else has had to pick him up. But Marcus is here every Sunday <laughs> for, for uh, some 20 some years. So Lord, we just thank you for your supernatural health. So if you need something on health, get next to Marcus. Have him pray for you, man. Let that anointing come off. Okay. John chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. We're kind of continuing from where we were last week. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Father, we just pause and ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive the eternal truths of your word. The truths that transform I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bring to remembrance all that the Lord Jesus has said and done and cause us to be transfixed by seeing you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The context of this is Jesus is preparing for the cross. So in John 14, 15, 16, we see that he's teaching his disciples And one of the main themes through these chapters is the Holy Spirit, because he's preparing him for his exit and departure and the arrival of the Holy Spirit. 
So he's preparing them for this, this cataclysmic transition that's about to take place. And, and they're struggling. They're, they don't understand what he means. Because their whole understanding of the Messiah is that when the Messiah came, that there would be a political overthrow of the world system. And that the king of heaven would come to the earth and would reign and rule forever. So they've got some shifts going on. I don't know how it is that you prepare someone when you know what's going to happen and you know how the enemy will try to take the devastation that's about to happen and use it against your heart so that you'll turn away. So now Jesus is trying to prepare them for his own crucifixion. All the suffering that's going to happen, the three days that he will be in the grave, and then for the triumphant resurrection on the third day. And so as he's trying to do that, I'm just saying, Lord, okay, we understand that's a historical event, but how does that apply to us today? What does that do for us? I don't know, have you gone through a cataclysmic event? Has evil touched you in such a profound, devastating way that it just knocked you flat on your fanny and you didn't know what hit you? It's like, okay, how does the Lord prepare us for when we have a, a tsunami of trouble, of heartache, of sorrow, of grief, of loss? These guys have followed Jesus for three years. <laughs> They've been so attached to him. And now he's preparing them for his exit. In 1971, it was December. One of my friends and his sister were going to pick up another friend for a, a double date. The roads were slick. The snow was coming down on U.S. 37 South, coming up towards 465 on the south side of Indianapolis, and a car lost control and a head-on collision, and all three of them died. The brother, sister, and his friend from college that was going up and pick up my friend's girlfriend. She's the only one that wasn't in the car that night. The officer came to notify the mother that her children had died, knocked on the door, told the, told the lady that horrible news, and the first words out of her mouth was, praise the Lord for the resurrection. How do you prepare yourself for that kind of information? Valetta talked to me later and said that the Lord had been meeting her in her morning devotions for six weeks in a very unusual way. And she knew that something the Lord was doing was preparing her and it caused her to be able to stand on that day that she heard that terrible, terrible news. The Lord always wants to prepare us for the, the tragedies and, and, and the difficulties that come. It may look like we got blindsided, but I guarantee if you're walking with the Lord and you're listening to him and you're taking time to just expose yourself and immerse yourself in his presence, he will be speaking. He will be preparing your heart, even if you don't understand it. 
The disciples didn't understand. They're trying to figure out, a little while you'll see me, and a little while you won't see me, and a little while you'll see me again. And they're thinking, what in the world is going on? And he's preparing them for what he has to endure so that what he endures doesn't cause them to lose heart and lose faith and scatter. Even though he prophesies that that's what they would do, they would scatter. The Passion Translations puts it this way. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and it was obvious that they were anxious to ask him what he had meant. So he spoke up and said, let me make it quite clear. You will weep and be overcome with grief over what happens to me. Now that's pretty clear. <clears throat> the unbelieving world will be happy while you'll be filled with sorrow. But know this, your sadness will turn into joy when you see me again. The whole foundation of joy is upon seeing the Lord Jesus comes out of that relationship with him that is so intimate that we see him, we know him. We know him, we experience him, we see him. Just like a woman giving birth experiences intense labor pains in delivering her baby, and boy, can I say amen to that. All the ladies? Amen. Okay, yeah, you remember that? I still have the claw marks right there on my forearm when Deb was going through transition. <clears throat> oh my. Yeah, that is agonizing. Yet after the child is born, she quickly forgets what she went through because of the overwhelming joy of knowing that a new baby has been born into the world. Amen. Hmm. Can, you, can you get this? <clears throat> He's telling us that as we're living life, we will go through things that are so intense and so filled with pain that we will absolutely feel like we're dying. At least that's been my observation at childbirth. There's like no pain like that. But when we see him again, the joy that explodes, the joy that bursts, is like a mom who now has their son or their daughter yes. on their chest. Yes. And they are filled with absolute joy. Now this might be a little hard for us men to wrap our heads around, but I want us to try this morning. What would it be like? What would it be like to go through such sorrows, such pain, such agony one moment and then the next, with the birth, or on the third day, as Jesus rose from the dead, and everybody is in their pain, in their sorrow, in their grief, and then Jesus appears and reveals himself to them as the resurrected Savior, the resurrected Lord, the joy that filled their hearts. Oh, we're going we're gonna to unlock this. It, it's just too good. It's just too amazing. This is such good news of what happens. <laughs> so will you pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken from you. But you will see me again, exclamation point. 
and then, and then your hearts will burst with joy with no one being able to take it from you. That's why the disciples could not be silenced. They could be threatened with beatings, imprisonment, and even death. But the joy of seeing Jesus was so real, it trumped everything. It transcended all the fear. For here is eternal truth. When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything, but instead you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire. And he will give it to you because of your relationship with me. Until now, you have not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name, but now you can ask and keep on asking him. And you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for and your joy <laughs> will have no limits. That's what stuck with me. Your joy will have no limits. So Jesus preparing them for just a horrible encounter in their reality. He wants to make some things clear. I want to make this very, very, very clear. One, you are going to weep and be overcome with grief. Coming to the Lord doesn't protect you from the catastrophes, the troubles, the difficulties of life on planet Earth. <clears throat> when you see someone that someone else who's going through that, sometimes it's even harder for you to bear. When you have a child, when you have a spouse, when you have a loved one, and they're going through extreme agony and pain and prolonged <laughs> difficulties, it just breaks our heart. We grieve over that. We weep over that. And he said, that's the way, it, that's what, what you've got to look forward to in the next few days. You are going to fulfill, you're going to feel profound sense of grief, sorrow. Mm. Now the world, on the other hand, in contrast to your sorrow, the world's going to be happy. They're going to be elated. They're going to think they got rid of a troublemaker. Hmm. <clears throat> But he says, I want you to know this. Your sadness will turn to joy when you see me again. What he endured that week of passion, the three days in the grave, was absolutely turned upside down from the sorrow and the grief to the joy of victory, the joy of life, because they saw just like a, a mother when her infant is given to her. Mm. So be assured of this, there's a time of intense sorrow, but you'll see me again. And then there'll be a time for intense joy. Now the implication here is that after you see me and the time of intense joy begins, it really doesn't matter what follows after that. It doesn't matter if you're delivered before kings and you have to give a testimony, whether you're thrown in prison, whether you're persecuted, or whatever happens, after you have seen me, the resurrected one, your joy is without limits. Your joy will be with you through every situation that you go. 
To me, that does something to my heart. That encourages me, especially when the enemy is trying to throw uh, seeds of fear and anxiety that uh, this is the way life is going to be forever and ever. Corona 2020, Corona 2021, Corona 2022, and on and on and on. When you've seen Jesus, all of a sudden there is a joy that transcends the temporal, natural circumstances of life. I love what it says in the, in the Passion Translation. He says, and here is eternal truth. And that's kind of King James, verily I say unto you, <laughs> or, this is a trustworthy saying in the NIV. Uh, here, he says, here is, an eternal, here is eternal truth. When that time, the time that you really connect with Jesus, that time when you see Jesus not as some historical figure, that time when you see Jesus not as the one who just cruci was crucified upon the cross, it's not even Jesus that you see who is resurrected from the grave. But when this time comes, when you see Jesus as the ascended one, the one who was sent, came, lived, taught, healed, introduced the kingdom, revealed the Father, then suffered, died, third day, raised from the dead, after 40 days, was taken up, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, the, the worship that surrounds the Lamb of God who's worthy to open the seals and read the scrolls. Wow. When you get the revelation of the ascended Lord Jesus, that's the time. <laughs> that's the time. And here's what he says. Here's the eternal truth. When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything. There's going to be such a connection with Jesus that oneness with him is just going to be a, a, a pursuit in your heart. You're going to continue to pursue oneness with him. So you won't ask him for anything because you have direct access through Christ right to the Father. Last week I was, I was talking about how it felt like Jesus was saying, well, here's the Father, and the Father's got me, and now I'm going to send the Spirit. So here we are, we connect with the Spirit, and it's like we're two, two steps removed from the Father. But here Jesus is continuing in chapter 16 to show us that's not at all the reality. That Because when you connect with the Holy Spirit, what you have is a complete revelation and access to the ascended Christ, which then brings a full revelation of the heart and the person of the Father. And so now he's, he's telling his disciples, when that moment happens that you are connected with my ascendant presence, you won't need to ask me. You can ask dad yourself. You can ask father. Hmm, you can go directly to him. You will ask him for anything that you desire. Now this is interesting. It's amazing how we like to you know, take the scriptures and come across that verse for the day and ask whatever you desire. And you think, oh, man, I want a triple deluxe hot fudge sundae with whipped cream, little banana slices on that. And I've been looking at those Cadillac Escalades. They look pretty nice. 
My wife kind of got her eye on the, the Mercedes-Benz SUV. She kind of likes that. And so, and so we, take, we take a scripture verse like that and we, we stand on it and we say, okay, I can have whatever I want. Within the context of seeing the ascended Christ, there's something about when we see him that our affections and our desires kind of shift. They're no longer just selfish. They're no longer, we're not living a self-centered, but as we live a Christ-centered life, it's amazing how our eyes are noticing the needs of those around us. And what do we want to ask the Father for? We want to ask the Father to heal Margaret. We want to ask the Father to comfort and be with Dolores. We want to ask the Father to bless Fanny with her mobility and her strength. We want to ask the Lord for the things that he lays upon our heart. Because now we're looking with different eyes when we see him. We're no longer looking with our self-centered, what's in it for me position. But our position has shifted because we've seen him. And when we see him as he truly is, the scripture says, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. I'm getting goosebumps just saying that. That, that is so wonderful. The more you see Jesus, the more you will become like Jesus. Why is it important that you spend time with Jesus? We're not talking religion. We're not talking about just religious exercises and spiritual disciplines. We're talking about spending time with him. Why is that important? Because you don't know when the police officer is going to knock on your door. You don't know when evil is going to take a cheap shot. But we don't do it just so that we have a re reservoir when bad stuff hits. We do it because we want to love what he loves. We want to be able to see with his eyes. And to see with his eyes means that we need to see him for who he truly is. Here's the truth. The more I see Jesus, the more I understand who I am. The less I see Jesus, the more I'm trying to fix this thing. The more I understand, Lord, I, I think we need to throw in the towel on this one. I don't know if there's enough fix-its available to repair this guy. But when I see him, there is hope. There is the assurance that as I see him, I will be like him. And when I see him, <laughs> here, here's what happens. When you, when you look into the eyes of the Lord Jesus and you really see him, you are undone at your core with the love that he has for you. This is the tragedy of so much church life is that we haven't given an accurate picture of who Jesus is. He's a judge. He's disappointed. He's ready to lower the, the other foot because you haven't measured up, you haven't performed, you haven't given enough, you haven't prayed enough, you haven't read your Bible enough, you, you don't ha you're just inadequate, you're, you're not enough. But when you look into the eyes of the Lord, you are totally unraveled that anyone could love you 
the way he's loving you in that moment. I love it when I'm, when I'm dealing with folks and we're counseling through some horrible traumas and, and difficult ways in which abuse and evil has touched. And all of a sudden they, they connect and they see Jesus. In a sense, they've known him. They've known about him. They've been taught. They've been in church, but they've never seen him in the way that he revealed himself. And in a moment healing takes place. There is a transformation and now there's a foundation to go someplace from where they were to someplace they never dreamed they could be. But before that moment, it doesn't matter if they spend a zillion years in therapy and all the self-help programs you could possibly come to, we'll never get there. Now, if you've been in therapy a long time, bless you. And I know some that have, but the thing that excites me is those who have been in kind of lifetime therapy, when they have those encounters with the Lord's love and they come in and they radiate his presence, you know that something profound has happened inside them. That a, that a healing moment has fixed something that couldn't be fixed any other way and then they continue to grow. Thank God for those that are invested in helping us grow. But there's nothing like the moment that we see him for who he truly is. So my prayer this morning is that we see him, that we actually encounter him, that we see the Lord Jesus. It's been a couple months now, two, three months ago. Geez, I can't even remember the time signature on it, but we're here. Wednesday morning, doing morning watch. Rick Baumgartner's on the keyboard leading the morning thing. And he just says, gaze into the eyes of the Lord. I don't know what made Rick say that. I don't know if it was a scripture verse he was reading or if it was a prompt of the Holy Spirit. But in that moment, the eyes of the Lord became very, very real and present. And as I looked into his eyes, I unraveled, I was unraveled by his depths of love that he has for me. In case you don't know it, I'm his favorite one. He absolutely loves me. He really likes spending time with me. I asked him why he didn't give me any hair. He thought that was funny. Seeing him. There is no substitute for seeing him. You can have MDEVs, THMs, PhDs. You can have all sorts of academic knowledge, but nothing goes as far as actually seeing him. Now, I'm not against education by any means. I am educated to some degree. <laughs> but there's nothing that I would give for his presence and knowing him as a person. You will ask him for anything that you desire. He will give it to you because of your relationship with me. It's not because you've come across some kind of Gnostic truth. You've got this divine knowledge and you know how to 
take the, the rabbit's foot and, and get and ask and get. It's not about some kind of incantation in the name of Jesus, give me this. No, it's, it's about a relationship, an ongoing, growing, intimate relationship with the living, ascended Lord Jesus. Until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. I just cracked me up. <laughs> I love the passion tree. You chickens, you haven't been bold enough to ask anything. Hmm. Keep that relationship first. Keep that relationship first, but begin to ask. My wife and I were at Urbana at a More Love, More Power conference, and they had a little prophetic team given prophecies. And one of the things that they prophesied to, to my wife and I was, pray bigger prayers. That blessed my heart. I thought, oh good, my prayers are too small. I need to pray bigger prayers. Yeah, get bold, ask the Father. Get into his, his heart. Find out what's stirring in his heart and then go for it. But now, until now, is contrasted, but now. Okay, that's the way you were, but now. Okay, everybody say, before I wasn't, I didn't have enough boldness to ask. But now, today, today is the but now. <laughs> You can ask and keep on asking him. Ask and keep on asking. You can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for because you are connected in relationship with the ascended Lord and you'll find that your desires have been transformed and that his heart is now pumping inside your heart and you're asking for the things that he's forever wanted you to be asking him for. And now you're using your voice and your love and your faith to come into alignment and agreement with the Lord Jesus and your joy will have no limits. Your joy will have no limits. It's not because you asked and you got a pink Cadillac. It's because you asked out of relationship and he's responded. He's implying that when your relationship gets to a, a level of intimacy with him, that he's so bold that says you can ask whatever and you'll have it. I don't know what that does for you. I, I know that there's a potential misunderstanding and error about that. But I think there's a truth there that is so deep and so profound that the enemy doesn't want us to hear. That there is an intimacy in him that we can ask for what our natural mind would say. That is absolutely ridiculous. But it's not. Well, I've had a lot of fun this morning with you. Remember, there's no limit to joy. Joy is without limit. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.